want to, one thing, if, you know, leading up to uh, a day that the people try to make a lot more spooky than what it is, I don't want to take away, last, like, like I said last week, we do have an enemy of our soul. There is a real, a real devil. He really hates us. And according to uh, Revelation chapter 12, he knows he has a very short time and, and he knows that he's going to wreak as much havoc as he can because he only has a short time. And so, but, but we know that we have the victory. That's what it, that's what it tells us in scripture. Where's your sting? First Corinthians says that. Where's your string, sting, O death? Where's, where's, what's, what's you got over us? Because that was the biggest fear most people have, believe it or not, is what happens to me when, when I die? What goes on? I got, I got texts today from people that say, what happened? What goes on? I'm like, it's all in scripture. Jesus wanted us to be absolutely aware. And so when I was sharing last week about graves, graveyard stories, um, this isn't something you go hang out in, like not for fun. Let's see, what are we going to do for fun today, honey? Oh, let's go to the graveyard. We do, like I know right where my brother's and my dad's uh, graveside is, and I'll go by there every now, now and again just to drive through when I'm in Jacksonville just to kind of feel the warmth. There's That's their resting place of their physical body. But the one thing that we've got to recognize is Jesus isn't afraid of the grave. <laughs> he destroyed the grave. There's no fear in that. And so uh, last week when we looked at Jesus showed up at a graveyard to a, a, a literally completely demon-possessed man and he turned him in from a, 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 a demonic uh, maniac into a missionary. He said, got him free and clean. And tonight we're going to go Old Testament a little bit tonight because there's, there's a couple stories that I love. One that intrigues me because it is probably the most... Um, incredible miracle and it's the only one recorded and the commentaries don't have a lot to say about it and i think it's because of just how unique and how special it is to go hold it what happened <laughs> let me read that again it's found in second kings if you got your bibles you can open them uh, open your bible there and this has to do with elisha elisha has died and uh, in second kings chapter um 13 verse 20 Elisha's died and for those of you who don't know Elisha was one of the uh, prophets and he was the uh, his mentor had quite a tremendous going sailing away getting out of here party he was one of the few we know in scripture that didn't taste death Elijah um, and Elisha wanted a double portion of his anointing and Elijah said that's not for me to grant but I will tell you if you see me go if you see it when it happens You'll get it. God will grant you to it. So Elijah, he, Elisha didn't sit around and wait. He actually was watching. Like, hey, I'm, I'm not letting you off. I want to see. And actually he did get to watch Elijah, uh, thing. And I personally think Elijah, Elisha may have thought, hey man, is that the way I get to go too? My, I watched my mentor go that way. Do I get to go out of here in a blaze of, my, a blaze of fire chariot comes down and we go? And it just so happens it didn't happen that way with Elisha. Elijah, it says, lived to a ripe old age, and he was buried. And this is one of those things that kind of make you go, huh, what, what happened? So they are, they're out, um, some men are out burying someone. It's Elijah died and was buried, and there were some Moabite raiders. Now, let me help you with this, because this wasn't an army. This was a group of people that all they came in to do was literally come in and wreak havoc in a quick strike 
and just plunder all they could to kill, steal, and destroy. Sound familiar? They wanted to take out as many people as quickly as they can, take all the loot, and then get out of there. And so when they, uh, the Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring, in verse 21 we see this, and this is where it gets good. They show up, and once, while some Israelites were, this is what was bad, the man didn't even get a name. They were burying a man. We like to put ours on tombstones. We like to, here they are, here they lie. We get a little caption on it. He didn't even get that, and there's a reason why. They were burying a man, and suddenly they saw a band of raiders. They're at the graveyard burying a man. They see him coming. They're like, uh-oh, we got to get out of here. They strike hard and fast. Let's move. Let's run. So this guy's getting a quick, short burial. <laughs> this is not, we're not lingering. There's no amazing grace being st- saying. There's no graveyard, <laughs> graveside service. Psalms 23 is not being recited here. What written, but yet, but still, it's not going on. And so they chuck him in there like, hey, he's coming. Woo. <laughs> so they threw the man's body. He didn't even, it's like, nope. Wow, God, we're getting out of here. Self-preservation kicks in. And that's when we see this miracle that takes place that just makes you go, Lord, you're just that powerful. It was God because you think about it. Here he is. Uh, They throw the man and think of all places they throw him. There's a lot of tombs around there. He happens to get, I think because of the raiders, how far, and they saw him. The closest one to them, because they wanted Elisha, when it was somebody great, they didn't try to put them out of way. They tried to put them close because even because of the honor, because of where they are, they wanted them close to where they were. And so Elisha, they would probably would have went a little bit further. <laughs> They'd have probably kept walking. No, we're going to take, this is that man. And we're just going to go put him. But because they saw him, he gets right there. Um, scripture and, and some of the commentaries say it's probably only because it's only about three miles away and it could be as far as seven miles but because <laughs> they carry him out away he gets thrown in there and then when the body touched Elisha's bones it touched the bones of another man it, a dead man's body touched a dead man's bones <laughs> And he came to life. The man came to life and stood up on his feet. (laughs) Could you imagine what that man experienced? How did I get here? (laughs) Talk about a graveyard story. What kind did he have? (laughs) He might have been going to Abraham's bosom and like, like, you know, like it says, hey, Lazarus from the rich ruler, he might have, he's like, I was just, I was almost there. And all of a sudden I wake up and what am I doing here? That is a miracle. And you got to look at it this way. It's never happened since. That that miracle has never happened everywhere. There's never a recording where a dead man's bones touched a man and he came to life. And so you got to ask yourself, was it life that was in Elisha's bones? Was it God honoring Elisha? For all that he had done, because he had had miracles where he brought people back from the dead, was it a way of of God saying, you know what, this man here, a man being buried, I'm going to honor my servant Elisha and show that even still, I'm going to do it on his behalf, man. People still come back to life because of him. And by the way, just so you know, people are still coming back because of Elisha, because of his testimony, because of him prophesying. And because of that, we still get to receive life from that. And so... If you ask me and you go study this out, 
you're going to see a bunch of commentaries go, yeah, we're not sure how that happened. (laughs) They're going to say, we just know that a dead man touched a dead man's bones and God be glorified. He came back to life. And so that's a graveyard story. If your kids ever want to say, hey, come on, kids, let me tell you a graveyard story. Let me show you this. Break out the Bible, have fun with them and let them see he got to come back to life as a result of God's power and God's grace. So that's the first one. I just want to have fun with that because it doesn't get preached all much. Um, I love if you ever have fun, just read Elijah and Elisha and all the miracles that took place. It's a beautiful thing how God used them mightily. The second one is, it's familiar to many of us, but it also gives us a landscape and a picture of something that you think God's wanting to take you out to show you something. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And God says, I want to carry you out and I want to show you a few things, Ezekiel. I want, I want to show you a few things. I want, to, I want to give you a picture of what's going on. And so in Ezekiel chapter 37, um, verse 1. It said, the hand of the Lord, Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And how many know that's a good thing when his hand's on you? Now in that day, it could be like, oh, he's on me to really on me hard, to train me, to show me something. It was always for our good, and it's always for God's glory when his hand's upon us, even if he's bringing correction. Let me say, it's never a bad thing when God's hand's upon us, because he's there. I have people, many times they struggle because they're being convicted over some of their sin going on. I said, whoo! Man, you better celebrate. They go, what? I said, so you really feel bad? They go, oh, man, I'm telling you, I can't. Get... I'm like, whoo, that means God has not departed from you. He is still working. You need to celebrate those things that God is working in your life. And so here we see where God's hand is upon Ezekiel. Uh, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley It was full of bones. (laughs) Now, if God wanted to show you something, he took me out into the valley. I want to see flowers. I want to see deer and antelope. Oh, look. They're so alive. As the deer panteth for the water. So my soul longs after you. No. We're going to a battlefield where people have been tore up and destroyed. And just the bones are laying there. Dead carcasses. You're like, uh-oh, what just happened here? How many know that's going to be a wake-up call for you when that happens? And I know in Ezekiel, we can sit here and look, and many times when we read Scripture, we just read through and we don't get all the good out of it. you got to understand, if God picked you up right now and He took you out by the Spirit of the Lord, and He says, i got somewhere I want to take you to, and you show up there and you're thinking, where's it going to be? Ooh, where's it going to be? Remember when you were younger and your your parents going to take you on vacation and and they tell you about it. They, we didn't have internet and all that and they tell oh it's going to be nice and you'd see a picture you, oh I can't wait I just want to get there I remember when my my dad he took all seven of us kids we didn't go often to places because there's seven <laughs> but I remember we were going to Six Flags over Georgia and we were going to Six Flags and of course we had to save all our spending money up we were going to spend but uh, through mowing yards and all that stuff. But we, we, we knew there was this roller coaster called the Scream Machine. The Scream Machine. Doesn't that just sound exciting? The Scream Machine. So we're thinking, ah! We get to scream at this machine. It's going to be good. And we'd seen pictures of this roller coaster. They went way up high and it went straight. And we're like, we could not wait. Let me tell you, 
When we got there, it was more exciting than what those pictures had portrayed with the wind blowing through you. And you're like, my, me and my little 55-pound body felt like it was going to go flying out of that thing. And when it went over, that, whoo, lift out. I want to tell you, it was exciting. When we operate in, when we're looking at scripture and we're thinking, we got to be careful not to just skip over details that God very intimately, intricately put in there, like dry bones, a valley of bones. So most of us, because we're all sophisticated, we're like, oh, a valley of bones. How many of you have ever seen a valley of bones? <laughs> I've seen them in pictures and it was really terrifying. I've seen pictures of, of grave, mass graves that have been dug up, and it was nothing but terrifying. There was nothing where I would go, oh, wow. Here we go, a valley of dry bones. Okay, good God, go. And then he goes on. We're going to read, read on. He looks at it, and he says to him, familiar with us, he led me back and forth among them. Hey, gang. It's one thing to see them. <laughs> It's one thing to see them. It's another thing to say, hey, come on. We're not done yet. We're going to take a little stroll. Remember, we don't have deer flourishing in the meadow. We have bones that are laying on the ground completely. And so he took me back. He wanted to get it good and engrafted. Not just a vision, but I want to walk back and forth through them, among them, to say, wow, okay, if you... Some people got some, some phobias and hey, we did fearless last week. <laughs> this is where that might kick in a little bit. It's like, mm, I don't walk around dead stuff. And as he did, he said, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were what? Very dry. Notice how he described them, not just bones. He could have said they were moist bones. He said they were very dry. Like nothing, they're just total hard bone. You ever been out somewhere? I know uh, some of us get out in the woods and you come across the bone and you can tell it has been there a while because there's nothing there whatsoever. It's like sometimes uh, when my when I was younger, my mom, we used to eat chicken and chicken wings. And my mom would eat a chicken wing to where there was nothing left on that bone. Like there's nothing at all. Like she ate the gristle, she ate everything. And... and it would be so bad that when you threw it to the dog, the dog would look at it like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you have just cleaned this thing. It's dry. There's nothing there. They are completely done. And so as Ezekiel carries on, God asks him a question. See, God always has a purpose. When he shows us stuff, there's a reason he shows us. And I love the way God does this. He leads us into, he, he, he's, he's what we like to call, he begs the question. Jesus was great at asking questions because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And many times God will ask you a question in your prayer time or he'll ask you something because he wants to get you engaged. See, when we say things, people sometimes can, it can go right over the head. But if you ask a question, you have to start thinking about what it is. What, 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 hold it, I need a response to that. So God asked him, son of man, can these bones live? You're standing there, you're looking at a valley, not a few. You're not talking about, you're looking at a whole valley of these things. You've walked among them. Yep, there is nothing, they're dry, they're complete, there is no life in them whatsoever. And he asked, can these bones live? 
And then, of course, Ezekiel, in true prophet fashion, he gets a word from the Lord. No, he doesn't. He answers out of his own understanding. I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I, he was smart enough to go, you know what? You you know, God. Hey, you, you know that. Is that a trick question? You know whether or not that's going to happen. But God carries him further. He doesn't let him stop there. And he goes on further in verse 4. We only have a few more we're going to look at. But I want you to get all the good out of this. Then he said to me, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear what the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. He said, said to me, let me say there are times when God speaks, we can't do his part and he can't do our part. It's his part to provide the revelation and the understanding. In other words, we don't grab something out of thin air. We don't go just on feelings. God will speak to us, but it's our part, God said, for us to speak it forth and speak it out. In other words, we have power in order to do that. And that's what he wanted Ezekiel to see. You prophesy. Can these bones live? He didn't say, notice God didn't say, yes, Ezekiel, they can. (laughs) He said, I tell you what, Ezekiel, do this for me. You prophesy and tell them dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Look what he said the word of the Lord was to it. He told him in verse 5, he says, um, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. This is what he says to you. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. He says, that's what he said. I'm going to make you come to life. I will attach tendons to you. Talking to the bones. He's not talking, he's not talking, he's talking to the bone. Hey, I'm going to make life come. I'm going to breathe you. You're going to come to life. It's going to happen. And then he says, I'll make tendons form and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Bringing them back to life, prophesying to them. And of course, we know Ezekiel did exactly what God had told him in verse seven. And he said, so I, So I prophesied. You know what the neat thing was? He only had to do what God said. The beautiful thing about walking with the Lord and staying connected to him, if we'll just keep our ears and hearts open to him, he's going to give us what to say and what to share. I don't have to come up. I don't have to, to, to threat, uh, to, 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 to fret or worry. All I have to do is walk. I have to stay close and listen. And he'll give you the words to say. Any of you ever been witness to somebody, you've been out and about, and all of a sudden he gives you something to begin to share, and they're going, that's exactly what I'm going, that is exactly what I'm going through. That's God using you, giving you the words to say. He says he'll, he'll give you those. And so Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, as I was prophesying, as I was prophesying, In other words, he had to take a step. He had to step out in faith. He's looking at dry bones and he said what to say, but it's another thing to know what to say. It's another thing to say it. And so as he was prophesying, as I was prophesying, there was a noise. If I don't prophesy, there's no noise. If I don't open my mouth, there's no noise. If I don't speak to dead men bones, there's not anything coming to life. I have to take a step. 
and I have to walk in faith, and I've got to speak that forth. And as it does, there was there was a, a noise, a rattling of bones. <laughs> Could you imagine? All of a sudden, you prophesy, you're out there, and the bones start. <laughs> There's a valley, y'all. Hold it. Let me help you. This isn't one or two. <laughs> this isn't one body of bones. <laughs> it's going to make some noise. There's a valley. It's a bunch. He walked back to and throw. Whoa. He's going back over here. Not one. It's not a couple. It's a bunch of them. It starts making a big noise. Rattling. Coming to life. And the bones came together bone to bone. Uh oh. Something starts to happen. The bones come together. And then in verse 8. I looked. Uh oh. I prophesied. I heard. And then I looked. All the senses. First of all I used. My God-given ability to speak his word for. Then with my ears, I hear bones coming together. And then with my eyes, I begin to see a change. Notice it wasn't until I spoke, then I heard, and then I saw. It wasn't most of us, I got to see it all clear, and then I'll speak. And then God's saying, no, we're going to speak. Then we're going to hear, and then then, then we're going to get to see and I begin to see, and can you imagine, I looked and tend, could you imagine sitting there and then all of a sudden, tendon starts coming on, appeared on them, then skin starts to cover I'm telling you, when you read and you look at what God does, He does tremendous things. He does incredible things, and we gotta be careful we don't reduce Him down to a small, God, small little, okay, you can do a few things. He can do anything. He can cause a valley of dry bones to come to life. And cover them, But there was no breath in them. Kind of reminds me of the story of Adam. Where God had a perfectly formed man. Completely formed. But there's no breath in him. All that he had. He needed everything he needed was there. His eyes were there. His ear was there. His mouth was there. Everything. All his internal organs was there. They were all there for him. But he was not alive because... The breath, the ruach, we've studied this, the ruach, the wind, the breath of God, the life of God had not been released in him. And this is where it gets crazy good, where he gets to even be a part of that, to breathe life into them. Verse 9, then he said to me, see how he's taking him on this journey? Ezekiel just wanted to know, you know, God, you can do it. Remember, he's like, you know. And he said, yeah, I do. Let me show you what it looks like. Instead of saying, just do, here, let me show you how that happened. So he does it. Prophesy to, prophesy to the breath. To the what? To the breath. You need breath? Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy life into them. You're going to make it. You can do that. You've got, in Jesus' name, you coming forth. And he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Think there again, second time. This is what the sovereign Lord said. This is where we have to keep our ears again. God's saying we have to. We're not to go off. I, I'm telling you, I've seen people that have tried to operate in this gift and tried to prophesy to different things. I remember I was at a restaurant one time with some young people. I was at another table. There's a big group and we're too big of us. There were too many of us to sit. And so there was a group of girls over here and a group of guys over here. And we're sitting there eating. And we were kind of a few tables away, and this guy comes up to the group of girls, and he begins to prophesy to one of these girls. And they're going, Mark, 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 come here. <laughs> and I said, what? So I go over, and I meet the guy, and, and he 
he's out there. <laughs> and he said, he was prophesying this one, your brother's going to come home from the war. And I said, she only has two sisters. <laughs> your brother in the Lord is going to come. <laughs> I, said, I said, listen, I said, obviously you're trying to operate. Can I help you? Is there something you need to, to share? I know I'm just, excuse me, I'm trying to prophesy this girl. I said, excuse me, I know what you're trying to do. But I'm their pastor, and I'm just trying to find out what you're really trying to do. You're, you're trying to prophesy something, and it wasn't something that the, you're, you're not in, bringing life in here. You're scaring these girls to come up you've never even known, and you're just and you went to the girls' table, not the guys' table. <laughs> you didn't come over to my table and say, "Hey, let me tell you." You went over to this group of four girls sitting at young girls sitting at a table, and he was probably in his forties or so, and not, no problem. But when you start prophesying something, they're like, "Come here, I'm scared." This guy. We have to really take time to listen to the Lord. We don't want to just speak. There are some people that just speak out thinking, this is God, I'm going to speak it. This is where, Lord, we spend more time this way, listening this way, and reading his word than we do just kind of looking out this way. In other words, we've got to go more vertical than we do horizontal. Most people spend most of their life this way and spend very little of their life this way. In other words, we spend all our time relating this way into our situation, to our circumstances, to what's going on. And we spend very little time saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? How are you, how are you spending time in his word, allowing him to draw our hearts towards him? This is what Ezekiel, he was locked in saying, speak to me, God. And he said, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And then this is where it goes. So I prophesied. And as he commanded me, I did it again just like he told me. I, I did. My, he did his part. He spoke to me. He gave me what to say. I did my part. I did what he said. Faithful. It was good. God, God working with man. And breath, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast. Here again, not four people. This is where our, our finite brains get locked into, oh, just a few people, a vast army. Does it tell you how many bones were out there on this valley? Now, this is what's beautiful about this. This was a metaphor. It was, we don't know that it wasn't full of bones. We don't know, but we do know it had to do with captivity. We knew it had to do with God's people. And this is where we come in. This is, at this point, this is where I want you to get, this is a, and I made that purposely to go, hey, think about it this way. Because most of the time you just, you've read through that story and you hadn't thought of those things before. You just read, valley of dry bones, this is in there, prophesy, speak, breath, wind. Instead of going, a valley of bones everywhere. And speaking them, and they come to life and form a vast army. In verse, we're going to look at these next three verses and see what God was really trying to do. What he was meaning by this. And it's still for today. This is for today. This is what we're called to do. In verse 11, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. I want to say to you, son of men, these bones are the church today. That these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. I don't know if I've ever been in my short 33 years of existence on in, in the Christian, in, in being a part of the body of Christ, I, I was a youth pastor for 26 years, and I never got the calls that I get today of how much hopeless, how many people are wanting to take their own life. 
How many people are so hopeless and so helpless and going, oh no, it's all over. And, and there is literally a desperate cry, a plea that is going out saying, we have to be the one to say, there's life. There's life. If we're not careful, we'll preach gloom and doom. You know, it's over. It's going to be, it's all coming to, it's all, I want to tell you something in the dark, in the darkest dark, just a little bit of light shines very bright. And we need to make sure we're, we're prophesying life and hope over these people. They said our bones are dried up. That's what God said. They're dried up in the church today. God is wanting to restore, bring life, bring the, the power back into our church where life comes forth in a powerful way. And then in verse 12, he says to them, therefore, prophesy. There again, speak to the word of the Lord and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. I want to say this, that this was definitely dead. They were in captivity when God was speaking to them and it did bring hope. It's the same thing in the chapter before in Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and then he said, I'm going to prophesy, he said, prophesy to Ezekiel, telling him that I'm going to put a new heart, a new spirit in you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you, that's what he says, I'll give you a new heart. They're in captivity. It's looking real rough. I'm going to put a new heart because they didn't have one. It would be gone. They'd gotten so cold and so hard being the people of God. And we've got to be careful as his church, we don't just go through the motions. We have to be engaged in what God's engaged in. We have to be concerned with what God's concerned with. And I'm telling you, he's concerned with people. He, con- he is concerned first with his own. He's not, he, not at the expense of us, but through us. And he wants us to be on fire, us to be revived, us to be renewed. So then we take that life and then spread it out. And he said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And in verse 27, he goes on to say, and I will put my spirit in you. In other words, you don't have to do this. I'm going to do my part and you'll do your part. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's not something I got to try to do. It's something I got to try not to do. It really takes a rub. The flesh wants to take over, but the spirit of God, he said, I'm going to give you the power and the strength to do it in. And then he goes on in verse 28, says, then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. And I'm telling you, in this land, in Brunswick, Georgia, God's wanting to use this, you, the church, Christian Reno, all the churches, the capital C, but I'm only, we're only responsible for what's right here in this, in this body. We're not alone there. I love the churches around. I pray for every church in this area. As I'm riding by, I'm thinking, Lord, bless them, give them wisdom, give that pastor strength, give him understanding. I, I do, everyone. And I'm telling you, we need to do the same thing. I don't look at, that, oh, this one's that, or that's that, or they do this. Good. Praise God, they're doing what they're called to do. But for this one, we have to say, Lord, your spirit is bringing life back to the body of Christ. Bringing, bringing that in. And then in verse, uh, going back to chapter 37, going back to verse 12. Therefore, say to them, my people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you out, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then he says, then, same thing that he said in, in verse in chapter 36, in verse 13. He said, then you will be my people. There again, then you will be my people. We'll know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. When you come out, you're going to know it's me. And then finally this one, I will put my spirit in you again, he says this, 
and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. And I believe that God is wanting to settle us in our in this area. We're already settled thanks to our thanks thanks to our, our pastor emeritus who God raised up and raised this body up. We celebrate that. Faithful man. Amen. He's here with us tonight. Praise God. Faithful, faithful, faithful. To do all that to have this and, and to have this to work from. Instead of, could you imagine being in a storefront right now trying to, okay, we're about to get some land maybe. We've got all this paid for and done. We celebrate that. Now we do have some remodeling to do after 40 years by God's grace and by your, your generosity. That's going to continue his generosity to us, but he's settling us in this land to make a difference, to bring forth life, to change Brunswick, Georgia. There's going to be a cry that goes out and say, what is that church? That's what we were hearing uh, on Thursday night when the, when the people in the area coming in, they're going, y'all do what? Like, there, there's nothing. I mean, it don't cost me anything. No, we just love you. We just want God. We want you to know God loves you. We want you to know that he is for you and not against you. He's not holding your sins against you. He wants you to be a part of his life. He wants you to be a part of his team. And then he says, then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and I have, I have done it, declares the Lord. Now, this is where it gets interesting. We need to make sure, and I promise you, I am blessed in this. I know for a fact that within me, the ability to do anything is not there. The Spirit of God is what takes it takes for us to stay connected to Him. It's not going to be by the arm of the flesh. The Spirit of God is leading us. In such a way that people's lives are getting set free. You right now. There, there are people. We had three precious ones. I mean four precious ones this morning. Who said I'm going public with my private decision to follow Jesus. I'm going to go. And it's going to happen. It's going to get more. That's just the beginning. It's going to continue. And more and more are going to be following the Lord. Say Lord I'm, I'm going. I'm, I just want everybody to know. Lord I belong to you. And they're going to be used by him. But that's where we all get to par, uh, play a part in that. And I want to tell you. I'm. I'm Speaking from the presence and the, the spirit of the living God, he's pouring his breath out. It's beginning to blow his spirit. His life is being infused into people's lives and it's causing them to come to life going, man, I just want to, I just love Jesus and I love people. I, I love people again. You know, there for so long, you got to be careful. You can sit in church and begin to hate people. <laughs> I just, I've said it often. I'll say it again. It was church people that killed Jesus. They did. They got so hard to the presence of God, they, they didn't even acknowledge the presence of God in their midst. Not even with all the miracles. Arms being stretched forth, blind eyes open, people being called back from the dead. And they're going, it's the devil. That's where we've got to be careful that we make sure we, we keep our hearts open. And so tonight, I, I just wanted to encourage you with these graveyard stories. That there's a lot of things. We are not afraid of the grave. Jesus ravaged the grave. He took death captive once and for all. And so it has no more sting for us. Once you give your life to Jesus, that's the only death you'll ever experience. This physical body may run out of gas, but you will not die. You will always live in his presence forever and ever and ever. But it's not about living there. It's about living in his presence here, making a difference in the lives that we come in contact with. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I do thank you that, Lord, you called us to this life. 
Lord, not only have you called us, not only have you appointed us, but you've anointed, Lord, you've, you've saturated us with your presence. You've given us access. You have opened up the grave. Lord, opened up our hearts and you've given us hearts of flesh. You've given us your spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you came to breathe life on the inside where we can experience your love, your grace, your truth, your freedom. And then, Lord, we can then go and share that with other people. I thank you for those here tonight, those who will listen later, either by podcast or, or by a CD. I thank you, Lord, that there's no grave that can hold you. That, Lord, just as you did in Ezekiel 37, prophesying, you used your servant to prophesy to dead bones. They came to life. Lord, I thank you for using the members of this church for breathing life, prophesying to people that feel like they have no hope and no help. Lord, that we will be used to bring people back from darkness, bring people back from the grave, bring people back to life and love and trust and faith in you. Lord, I celebrate your life to here, your celebrate your life here, and thank you, Lord, for pouring your spirit out that we can live in it, we can move in it, we can have our being in you, Lord. And I just want to do this tonight. As you're sitting there, and you feel like there may be some in here that feel like, Mark, you know what? That sounds real good, but I feel like I'm in that valley. I feel like I'm the dry bones. I feel like that, that the enemy has sucked the life out of me. He's, he's worked overtime on trying to get me think, thinking less than what God can do. And I've limited him. And I'm living a God that somehow I'm just walking among the, the dead bones and I'm not prophesying to anything or anybody, including the ones that are in me. But tonight, I'm ready to come to life. I'm not, re- I'm not going to lay in that valley anymore. I'm going to prophesy out of my own bone. Come to life. Breath of God, come in. Holy Spirit, come to life in me. I thank you for it. Maybe that's you tonight. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If that's you with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just raise your hand and say, that's me, Mark. I, I want you to pray for me. My, I've had some dryness on the inside. I'm not talking about spiritual dryness. Talking about something on the inside that there hasn't been that excitement. You know, when you get up and you get to spend time with the Lord, it, it goes from a good morning, Lord, to good Lord, it's morning. Jesus. That's when you know you need help. It's when it starts getting dry. Instead of you look at the day going, man, what a glorious day this is, God. Instead of, Lord, can I pull the covers back and turn the alarm clock off? Hmm. Well, Lord, I just thank you once again for your precious ones here. Lord, I thank you that you still use dead men to bring dead men's bones back. That You bring them back to life. You can use anything, including us. Lord, I thank you that each person here, each member of this church will be used in a mighty way to bring people back to you, Lord. Bring them from death to life. Lord, bring them from... From, from cursing to, to blessing. Lord, I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. That's all I have to share. If you would, stand up with me at this time. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll dismiss. And I'll be here to, I'm going to bless you, but I'll be here to pray if you have anything personal on your heart. We got Ricky here. He'll do that, and others will be happy to pray with y'all. Praise the Lord. I know Richard and Kathy, others will be glad to. If you would, open your hands and receive from him. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. Lord God, where where your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you.
The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His eternal awesome peace. In Jesus' name, amen.